Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. My name is Tim Doyle, and this is Project Sports. Enjoy the show. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Project Sports. My name is Tim Doyle, and today on the show, we have Caleb Maciel on the show. What's going on, Caleb? How you doing? How's it going? I'm good. It's been a while. It's been a while. It's been a bit, but here we are, and we know why we're coming out with an episode today. Uh, it's been the summer, so things have been, I would say, I mean, packed with sports, but you know, a little bit slow as far as like the major sports in America and covering different things. But something monumental has happened in the sports world to me and you, at least. We, we view it in, in uh, America. Most people might not know what's going on, but I guess we'll give a little, uh, little insight to what's happening over in Europe with uh, Lionel Messi. And uh, just to start off the show, definitely want to give uh, people some insight of who this guy is if they don't know, because a lot of Americans, they don't watch soccer. But um, we will going to go over fantasy football today as well, a little NFL, a little soccer here, there. But uh, just to start out with Messi, Um, Messi played for FC Barcelona. He signed at 13 years old. Um, He came on the scene was his first senior contract at like 17 years old. Pretty unbelievable. He won 35 trophies with the club. Uh, I can't even remember a time um, without Messi since I've been watching soccer, but it, it feels like he's been around for so, so long. He has. I think 2005 he made his debut, which we were about 15 years old. Um, he has four Champions League trophies, and I, I found it really cool. I mean, you know, it's, it's pretty easy stat to find, but he scored 644 goals for the club. But the the interesting thing I took away was I, I looked up and I said, you know, who scored the second amount of goals uh, all time for FC Barcelona? And that would have been Suarez, and he only has a 191. Now, granted, uh, Lionel Messi has obviously way more caps than almost any Barcelona player ever, but I just still think it's unbelievable to have that long of a stint with one club, and I think it's pretty pretty monumental. Do you have any opening thoughts about Messi and you know his tribute, you know, playing for so long on one club? Yeah, for sure. Like like you said, I actually I actually do remember a time when Messi was not on Barca. Um, back in like the early 2000s, I was a huge Barcelona fan with um, mm. Ronaldinho was my favorite player at the time, and they had Eto and Iniesta and Xavi were still there. So that that team was crazy back then. And I remember them introducing Messi into the scene, and he was just a, a young kid coming in wearing number 19. And I remember him being like really good right off the bat. And I never thought he would be as good as he ended up being, but I think Barca realized what they had. And just kind of handed over the keys to him. Yeah. And you know, to to me, like, it pains me to say this because he's an Argentinian, and but to me, he's one of the greatest of all time, if not the, the greatest, greatest, yeah, ever, ever. It, even though, like, you know, all Brazilians will say Pele and all that, but I guess sticking to the modern era and soccer as we know it from like I don't know, maybe the past twenty, thirty years, he's to me, he's the greatest of all time. Yeah, and so I know there's the argument with Ronaldo, but to me it's Messi, and that's that's how that's yeah. how I see it. But it's definitely that argument. Yeah, there's definitely that argument people can make, you know, here or there, and make good cases for both. But uh, I think you know, I, I I've been doing I did some research obviously today. I've been listening to a lot of media coverage, and one of the coolest things I actually found today, and I think you'll like this and appreciate this as well. It was a interview with uh, Kobe talking to an Italian reporter. Um, in an interview and there was a clip that came up on Instagram and he was talking to the, the, the guy in Italian they're having a conversation and they were in LA uh, watching he was watching Barcelona play and uh, him and Ronaldinho were friends uh, Kobe Kobe Bryant and Ronaldinho and they were talking that he Ronaldinho pointed out Messi who was 17 at the time and he says to him he goes he goes hey He's like, that, that kid over there is going to be the best player ever to play this game. And Kobe looked at him, and he's like, you're, he's like, you're the best player to ever play. And he's like, why would you say that? He's like, no, 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 you don't understand. This kid is going to be amazing. I just thought that was a really cool story. Like, he's obviously, you know, Kobe has passed away. So this is, this is years ago he even said this, too. And now that we've kind of come to, you know, end of uh, Barcelona, you know, his career uh, there and, and looking back on it, it's, I mean, he, he wasn't wrong, Ronaldinho, to catch – you know, it takes good talent to see good talent. I think it's just a, such a cool story of two greats talking about some young kid knowing already what he was going to be. I thought it was really cool. But um, yeah, that's awesome. That's yeah, I never heard that story before. But I don't. Yeah, I believe it. I mean, Ronaldinho 
playing with him at that young age, seeing him in practice every day, and you know coming up through the ranks of Barca, like yeah, he knew what he had, and that's really yeah, that's a super cool story. And then uh, so I guess we'll we'll start a little bit. Uh, there was a little bit lighthearted part of it, but we'll just talk about like good things uh, of Barcelona, Messi, and then I'll kind of well, I just want to add one more thing is. Uh, I didn't know if you knew this, but I thought this was amazing when I heard this today. But Messi, um, Neymar asked Messi if he wanted his number 10 at, um, obviously, if you don't already know, Messi ended up signing with PSG uh, yesterday, I think it was, for a two-year agreement through 2023. He asked him if he wanted to wear number 10, and Messi said no, and he's just going to wear number 30. I thought it was a great gesture that Neymar even offered the number, and then obviously Messi, you know, going with a different number. Wearing number yeah, thirty, I, I, I actually did see that, and I was really surprised. Yeah, I was really surprised. Mind, I was too. like, Neymar is never going to give up <laughs> number ten, but um, hey, even he's another great, a great player. And he like, I don't blame him either. He's like, he he probably knows that Messi is the goat, so he's like, yo, you can come play with me, uh, you can have the number ten. Yeah. But yeah, you know, good on Neymar for doing that, and Messi. Yeah, I guess he he. I guess he's in his mind. He's probably like number ten is. That's for me at Barca. He just wants to start fresh. Yeah, for sure. Or, or something. I don't know. But and maybe, it, yeah, so. maybe he, he'll always equate, you know, his time at Barcelona with that number and kind of leaving it behind. And that kind of gets into um, sort of what's going on with Barcelona and Messi, what happened and sort of yeah, maybe our you and I's feelings towards the whole thing. And I told you I had a little bit of a, maybe a hot take. I don't know if it's a hot take. I just I have an opinion. I've been I've been listening to the media over in Europe and how they're taking it, and the British media, Spanish media taking in for what people are saying. And I don't know. To me, um, I feel like so basically they couldn't sign him because they had too many players on the roster, made too like too many moves or whatever. And what was it like about two weeks ago? It, it, Messi was on vacation. It was pretty much a done deal. They were they were going to have the contract, and then all of a sudden this other thing came up. And for me, I'm just I don't know. I feel like I feel like there should be more crapping on FC Barcelona for such a mess they've been in the past five or six years, and then even more so with what just happened with Messi. And I know everything's kind of focused ultra on Messi right now, leaving and going to another squad and all that. But I really think we should be laying on you know, the pressure on Barcelona for how big of a mistake they have made in, in this. Like, and it seems maybe small to some people, but over the years they've, they've lost pretty much every great player. They don't seem to be replacing anyone besides Pedri coming up. And, but a lot of their players have gotten older and things are kind of just financially. I've read some articles where they, they're, they really can't do anything because of their financial state. And obviously with the pandemic, but this was, this was pre-pandemic. They were going through some issues. I just don't think Barcelona is getting as much flack as they should. And they, <laughs> the only thing they've kind of done is played their cards perfectly for PR-wise and kind of uh, had this whole cry fest with you know Messi coming on TV and like both showing great admiration towards each other and playing that up to kind of hide that Barcelona really, really, really messed up. I don't know if you agree or disagree with this statement, but... I think Barcelona has messed up a bunch in the last five or six years. And this being the last debacle that's put over the edge for me, I just don't think right at this moment they're not even a top five or six club. I think they are they fall within the top ten still because they have great talent, young talent, but they are not in the top five. And I don't know, for many years this has been um, a, a, you know, a one, two, or a three team every single year. Um, so, I mean, do you got any thoughts on that, you know, following up? Yeah, I... I guess I somewhat agree with giving uh, Barcelona way more slack for this. And I guess the only thing that saves them is last year, Messi kind of came out and said he wanted out. Mm-hmm. And I think because of that, there was this whole, I think that was last year. Or was, or was yeah, it, it was. The winter yep. break. Yep, it was last um, year. Messi came out and there was all those rumors about him going to Man City. And he said he wanted to leave, basically, but Barcelona did not let him go. They held on and said, you're under contract, you have to stay. Whatever they, you know, they figured it out, and he st- he ended up staying on Barca. So there was still, I think, I think that's the reason why people are not giving them that much slack. Because if it wasn't for that, this time around, I mean, Messi came out and said I wanted to leave, but then I ch- I saw his interview, his like going away interview, where he started, where he was like crying a bunch, and they were giving him a crazy standing uh, standing ovation and clapping mm-hmm. st- uh, applause for like a really long time. 
He um he said that last year he wanted to leave, but this year his mind was set. Him and his family were staying in Barcelona. They weren't they weren't going anywhere. Like he was he made up his mind that he wanted to stay. And then out of nowhere, like he said, because of a a FIFA rule, like you were min- mentioning, that he Barca couldn't sign him. Um, so yeah, so I I definitely think Barca deserves, like you said, a lot way more slack than what they haven't gotten any from what I heard from what I've been seeing. No, but it's, it's yeah. A- I think their only saving grace is last year. Messi said he wanted out, so now, like people are not that shocked that he's leaving. I guess. Yeah, that's the uh, second point I was going to bring up, and that's and that's perfect. I that is like they're out and they're kind of holding on to it, but. I'm seeing yeah. right through that, and I'm calling them out because for me, even if Messi has that out and he says that, it doesn't it doesn't matter to me because I look at Barcelona. I'm like, hey, you lost, you lost Sergio Ramos this year. You lost Xavi and Iniesta, and and you, literally much of what you got uh, Busquets and uh, Piquet are like the only ones left from you know the great teams. And I mean, what is your future? You and and not only that, like this is an absolute mess. What just happened here because. Two weeks ago, you came out and you said publicly, this is going to happen. Messi said this was going to happen. So that's why, for me, it doesn't even matter what happened a year ago. Messi was unhappy. Maybe they fixed something. And maybe this is a lot worse than what it was. And maybe that's why Messi was so distraught about the whole thing. And he's played there since he was there since he was 13 years old. So, I mean, of course, he's going to be over the top, you know, not wanting to leave the club. But, I mean, he wanted to leave because he's seen how bad the club has been. And then maybe he thought to himself, you know, maybe I'll just stay here with my family because I think um, I, I've heard some things where he he might want to go to the MLS. He's been visiting uh, Beckham's team down in Miami and, you know, had some talks. And, you know, you don't just go meet in Florida with Beckham and some other uh, players down there just to talk. I mean, obviously, maybe in the twilight of his career as he's getting older, wants to go play in the MLS. I don't know. It's, it, it's something that could be in the future. I've heard multiple people in Europe talk about it. And I've heard that Messi wants to live in America when he retires. So... Um, but for me, it, it was an absolute mess, and Barcelona needs more more blame for this. Like up front, be like, you know, Barcelona messed up, and now you just made PSG that much better. Which kind of gets into the next topic that I want I want to get into. I mean, obviously teams have to prove themselves, and chemistry is a huge thing. But we know that Messi and Neymar have played together, and it seems to me that Mbappe is a really good fit and a really intelligent player, and I don't think there's going to be much trouble there. You're talking about the midfield with Jenny Wijnaldum coming in on the team on PSG, the, the, the back four or three, whatever they go with. Um, that, that chemistry will have to work itself out, but how much of a logistical nightmare at this point is PSG in their front three for every other team they have to play against? I mean, it's unbelievable when I, when I try to fathom or think about like if they're like highly successful, how do you stop those three in the front? I mean, it's insane the amount mm-hmm. of talent. Yeah, they, I mean they have the most talented top or big three, I guess, offensively that we've seen in a while. I guess um, the closest one I remember was when you know when uh, they were all at Barca with with Suarez, MSN, with uh, Messi, Neymar, and, and Suarez. Um, yeah, it was a really good big three. Now and now. Mbappe is like one of the world's best players now. So adding him to Messi and Neymar is just crazy. So you've got one of the highest IQs in soccer to ever live, maybe if not the highest, most intelligent and fast. With, can speed up the game and slow it down with like with Messi. Can shoot from anywhere outside the eighteen, inside the eighteen, and then you got the two fastest players in the world on the wings. It's, yeah, it's when you think about it, it's, it's just be, insane. Must see TV. Like the French league is gonna get, is gonna be put on the map a little bit more. <laughs> this yeah, year. there's no but, excuse for them losing the league this year. That's for no, sure. No, and I mean the big thing is really Champions League. Like mm-hmm. that's what we want to see. Like they, they're probably with that team are gonna be considered one of the favorites to win it. And if they don't make a big run or even win it, I think it's gonna be a disappointment. That's like that's the kind of expectations that I think needs to be put on PSG is pr- pr- probably just like. Champions League winner at this point. Yeah, I think I think so too. I think that it's 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 one of those teams you put together, and it's like, all right, you better win now. And it, right. I don't. I mean, you add like you have a pretty solid core, and you upgraded in really good positions. You added uh, Sergio Ramos and Messi, and, and a, you pretty much and a keeper. They and added a keeper. the Italian goalkeeper. Yeah, Donnarumma. Like, right, a beast at the Euro. So, so I mean, I feel like that automatically. 
it puts you in a position where you already have decent chemistry plus you've had past chemistry you know Neymar playing with Messi they know each other very well so it's kind of like the time is now like there's no time to waste you're inserting the best player arguably yeah, one I, of the best players in the world to your roster it's it's win or go home I really don't think the chemistry at least offensively is going to be there I mean it's not that it's not going to be there it's that it's going to be an issue for them because mm-hmm. like you said Neymar and Messi play together and they're really good friends too it's not that it's not just that they like play together they were like hanging out all the time at Barca and they get along really well and then Mbappe and Neymar are like best friends too so I think I think they're gonna work really well I can't wait to see them play honestly yeah it's a it's uh pretty much if you're gonna beat them you better have an amazing back line and there are some teams that could do it but <laughs> we've never sat I mean I don't know I honestly don't think we've ever seen anything like this I know Suarez is a good player Terry Henry was a great player and some of the Barcelona fronts that they had at, at, at different times but this PSG front is unbelievable in my, in my eyes, and I'm definitely looking forward to it. Like you are, it's must must see TV. I, I, I even just the team in general, it kind of gives me like flashbacks to the mid 2000s when we used to watch Real and, and Barca, and just like we're just a rock star team yeah, all all the way around. But now we yeah. got it with Man City and um, with PSG, which I think they're the two top clubs in the world right now. And it would be amazing to see like a final like that, or even Liverpool, Chelsea, and Bayern Munich, one of those top teams playing against PSG in a final. It would just be it's it's going to be like you said, must must watch TV. And that gets my next point. I wanted to bring up, but who do you think the top four clubs? Sorry to put you on the spot here, but the top four clubs in Europe. I mean, for me, I'll I'll say mine real quick. It's definitely going to it's going to be uh, Liverpool, PSG, Man City, and uh, Chelsea. Uh, former winner of the Champions League. I know I have to pick three EPL teams. I'm confident in that. I think Bayern is getting a little bit older. I would have put Bayern in there, but just to explain myself a bit, um, PSG obvious for reasons. I think that uh, Liverpool is pretty under <sighs> undersold at this moment. They got a lot of players who didn't play in major tournaments over the summer, and they've got a lot of rest, uh, meaning their front three. And um, I think they got a new thing with uh, Diago Jota coming in and Firmino taking like coming in and out playing longer times and I think they have a really good shot at the Champions League this year I think uh, Premier League is going to be tough for them going against Man City and uh, I don't know what your thoughts are on the top four clubs in Europe but I mean that for me those are the top four and the Chelsea for obvious reasons because they they just won the Champions League as well yeah honestly like I don't think I'm that much different from Mm. you I guess PSG has to be up there now and then the other two teams that I would definitely put up there are Man City and Liverpool, and I don't know, I, like, for some reason, I'm like, don't want to put Chelsea in. I do, you know what? <laughs> in, in, yeah, me too. I don't want to put Chelsea there, but they just got Roman Lukaku, and we have to remember that they won. Did they get Lukaku? That's done? Um, yeah, he was going for medical, um, which normally means that he's probably going to sign. I don't think they've announced uh, okay, officially, but yeah, he, he's going He's going through. <laughs> That's for sure. Um but yeah, yeah, Chelsea for me. I, I got to get. Team, go ahead. Yeah, it could be Chelsea. I was gonna say. I don't know, I'm still kind of. I'm still a little high on Madrid, honestly. So maybe Madrid. Maybe honestly, the other team that would maybe sleep in a little bit is Man United. They just got. Um, so uh, uh, Varane from from Madrid, the yep. French center back, and who else they got? They got um, Sancho, right? So a fan me loves. Uh, sorry, fan me hates Manchester United, but you know. Um, me looking at it objectively and just kind of looking at that roster, I love that roster. But the only thing for me outside of like Manchester United needs to prove themselves. So over the course of the year, it's like one of those things I won't take a risk on saying because there's if some of the other teams in Europe were maybe a little bit weaker or they weren't as strong, be like maybe I'd take a chance on be like oh they're to be a top four club and have a chance to win the Champions League. But because they're kind of unproven and it seems like that City improved, PSG improved. Liverpool has just been steady and getting VVD back. For me, uh, Manchester United has a lot to prove. I love the signing of Sancho. You know, I love Sancho as a as a player coming over from Borussia Dortmund. But and then obviously Varane is a huge signing. Um, I just I need them to prove themselves for me to you know take a flyer on them yet. That over and over again they've shown me that their chemistry doesn't work. And when you have the same, that the only additive I'll say to that is. Now that Bruno Fernandes is there, the culture started to change the last year and a half. So I will give them confidence in that. I would say they were either five or six for me. 
and I, they could move up into that top four halfway through the season. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to speak bad on them, but I, they just need to prove themselves a bit. I need to see them against other Premier League teams early on in the year, that first half all the way to, to December, and let's see how it plays out. Because I think their front three could be lethal and deadly. I mean, you got Cavani, Martial, Greenwood, Sancho, Marcus Rashford. You got Pogba in the midfield with um, Bruno Fernandez. It's a great squad. I just, yeah, for me, I just need to see a little bit more, see how that chemistry works out. Gunner, as the coach, seems to be working out well. He's improving every single year. They finished second in the Premier League last year, but I think that's without, you know, Liverpool without their big dog in the back, and they, they actually had a pretty decent ending to the year for dealing with what they had. They had center backs done different every single week and all that kind of stuff. So uh, do you have any additional thoughts to that? No, I guess, yeah, I think we're pretty similar on the top teams. I think the top three are pretty clear, but that fourth team, I think it could be <coughs> it could be anybody. There's a, there's a couple of teams in the running there. So Yeah, so like for me, Chelsea, I ha- I'm just given the respect because they figured it out and they won the Champions League. And they were premature. So last year, uh, Brandon and I, when I had him on the podcast, we talked about Chelsea. I think the episode was like Chelsea versus the table. We talked about how Chelsea, you know, down the road in a year or two is going to be really good. But I didn't anticipate other teams getting as good as they've gotten through transfers or through like just like steady uh, incline as Man City and PSG have gotten. And um, but Chelsea definitely peaked last year and maybe they can improve upon that. And they've, they've gotten, you know, when you win, it gives you confidence. So. We'll we'll see how it yeah, goes. You got to give it to them. They they did win the champ. They are the defending champs. Yeah, defending champs. So, yeah, but we both. I mean, a, you like Chelsea for a little bit because he's a Brazilian player playing up, but I can't stand Chelsea. So it's <laughs> it's hard to yeah, got, hard I to say that kind of aloud. Yeah, <laughs> I'm neutral on Chelsea right now. Yeah, so I think the other the other topic. I Jack Grealish going for a hundred hundred uh, quid. I mean, that's what is a hundred forty million dollars around for U.S. dollars. That's crazy. It's great. It's a crazy deal, and especially for an Englishman. And it, it, coming from Aston Villa, he moves on from that. This is his boyhood club. He played for his whole career. Um, uh, the the that's like normally that's the that's Prince William. That's his team. So yeah, I, th- I don't know if like the whole royal family roots for Aston Villa, but I know he does in particular. So. Um, seeing him move on from Aston Villa, which is a, you know a, just a, a club that's been around for a long time, and and. They, they did some good off-season work after losing Jack. They, they brought in a bunch of uh, decent players and also Danny Ings from Southampton, another good British player that they brought in. He kind of deals with injuries a little older, but he's a really phenomenal talent. Um, but I like seeing Jack move. I don't, I don't know. I, I like Jack Grealish a lot. I don't know if he deserves deserve that much for a transfer. Um, we'll see. I, I hope he lives up to that because I think he's a really good player, but it's like if he was that good – wouldn't he have been starting? This is how I think. Wouldn't he have been like starting every game for England, you know, on that on that front roster? And maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe it's just the way the the you know Southgate was playing it. Maybe he's wrong. But obviously Pep Guardiola thinks thinks the world of him. He could play multiple positions. Hopefully, or maybe he'll fit right in. I mean, I don't want him to fit in because I want Liverpool to be successful and shut him down because I think they have a really good squad this year as well. But. We'll see. I think it's a lot of money. I, I, I yeah. wouldn't. I wouldn't have thrown that much money at Jack Grealish, I, to be honest. My thought is it was definitely a little bit of an overpayment, but yeah. Honestly, I don't know if they I don't know if they had to do that to get him. If there was other teams bidding, and can know, I be can maybe. I be honest with you? I yeah, honestly, <laughs> I, I honestly think that this was one of those British moves where they. I, every every England team has like that one British guy that they want to like be on their roster. So like for example, like Liverpool has Jordan Henderson. Were like Stevie G, Chelsea had Lampard, mm-hmm. and yeah. um, Mason Mount. Yeah, back in the day, Wayne Rooney on Manchester United. Yeah, then now Chelsea's got Ma- Mason Mount. Everyone's got that guy, and you know Sterling is. A, I don't know. He's just a winger on Man City for me, and he's not like. But I think that Jack Grealish is probably that guy. You know, he's probably that that English guy that they want yeah, to be on the team, and I don't know. That's, that's just me. That's just me playing. That's that's what I thought when they made the move in my head. I'm like. They don't have that guy in the field or whatever, and they, they wanted to bring him in. I could be completely wrong, but usually EPL, I don't know what it is, but they've got that one strong British dude on the team that's, that uh, 
keeps I don't know the money rolling. I don't I don't want to make it seem like they have to have it, but they normally do. I don't know every every uh, every team in the Prem's got one. So hey. oh, yeah, that makes sense. I that is true though. Like it is. The it's top, the top teams. They all got their their one British player. Their I one guess. British player that's really even, good. Yeah. Even Tottenham, they had Kane. They got Kane now. Well, yep. Who knows if they still have him? But <laughs> yeah, and he could go to Man City as well too. I don't know how Man City pays all these players. <laughs> Crazy. They're they're talking about another over. He'll be over a hundred million for a transfer, yeah, which is just Kane for sure. It's if just Jack went for that much, then Kane. Yeah, for which will be an astronomical amount of U.S. dollars for a transfer. I just can't even fathom that. Obviously, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. I'd love to. I just want Kane to win trophies, and I feel like he's stuck. Do I necessarily want him to go to? I'd rather, I, honestly, I think we, I think we talked about this about uh, maybe him going to Real, and maybe like Holland, and they could you know turn it around, maybe make some signings by next year, and who knows, maybe they'll pay more. But I feel like Real Madrid's got to do something. They just their players are getting older, and I think that they need to make some moves as well. But uh, you got anything more on soccer? I think we can transition to fantasy football if you'd like. Yeah, I think I think, I think we pretty much covered it. Um, not much else since the Euros ended. Um, I guess, I mean, like, real quick, the Olympics. Oh, yeah, we could talk about the Olympics real Brazil, quick. Brazil beat um, Spain, which was actually a pretty good, two pretty good teams. I watched that final. And oh, in the footy, yeah. In the footy yeah, final. Yeah, it was uh, a good game. I did, I did not catch it. It was pretty good. Spain had some. Pedri was playing. Um, Olmo was playing. Some players that played in the Euros. No but, way. Pedri yeah. played? Yeah, Pedro see, he went from the Euro game. and he went straight into the the Olympics. Olympics, yeah, he was, yeah, he was pretty good. So, and My Brazil goodness. had a few players too that played in Copa America. They had Richarlison that plays for Everton. I love him. Um, they had another guy, but Denny Alves know, played, I think, right? Denny Alves, yeah, he yeah, got yeah. another yet another championship to add to his resume, which is crazy. Okay. So, yeah, hey. not too much to talk about besides you know Brazil repeated. They got gold in 2016 and again in Tokyo. So. And they're looking bright for maybe with a they got a lot of good players coming up and strengthening and some age and yeah. some wisdom. By the time the Qatar World Cup comes around in December of twenty twenty two, I think I, they should be all right. I think it should be good I don't going think in. Any, any player that I've seen that I saw at the Olympics, maybe one or two will, will be on the senior squad for for uh Qatar next year. So it's not like those are just young young guns up and coming who are trying to make a name for themselves. But I don't think many of them are gonna make the team. Anyways. Brazil just blows my mind. <laughs> How many brought? Yeah, they, have, they put out a really good team. Up with um, Obviously, like the Olympics, you have to have, um, you can only have three players over 23, and the rest have to be under 23. So they're mostly just like 20, 21-year-old year old playing. And there's some pretty good some pretty good players I saw that um, we'll see. We'll see we'll how see, they do. They're see how they fare. smaller clubs around the world. They're playing in like, in Germany for um, some smaller clubs. And in Ukraine and things like that, but they, you know they're pretty good players. We'll see what they what they do in the next couple of years. Usually they, they they start in those leagues and then they end up yeah making their way to making the their big, way bigger clubs. Yeah, like Rick Carlson's pretty older and he eventually he's now he's like a star at Everton. But I mean, I, right. you know, he's not like he played for any big clubs, but he's always been kind of in the background of Brazil's squad. But he's still like a star in in Liverpool and Everton. So it's always interesting. Um, yeah, I think that's it for soccer, though. <laughs> for so- for soccer, I mean, is there any other Olympic sports that you watched over the summer that you thought was pretty cool? Yeah, I'm like, honestly, I've always been a diehard Olympics fan ever since I was a kid. So yeah, I definitely watched a lot of it, and I, I watched like the weird stuff, like um, like gymnastics. I think is crazy, like what those girls and guys, honestly, what they do it on. Yeah, but everyone watches the girls' team. Yeah, the girl, <laughs> like, it's so crazy. I mean, like. Swimming, I love watching swimming and I, diving. That's like the most important to me. I think is swimming. Swimming. It's yeah, just meant the men's swimming team. I just expect us to dominate gold, or yeah, or win like, something. Which Dressel, swimming. he won the most gold medals in the. He won five. Yeah. In the uh, in the Olympics, won the most out yeah. of anyone. So. And yeah, some other I don't know. I guess um the, the one sport I love watching the most in the Olympics, even more than soccer, is um volleyball. I love the volleyball. Volleyball is cool. Beach volleyball. The indoor. Like, indoor. Both yeah. men and women are, are both. I'm a huge fan. Fe- so. The U.S. They won. Uh, was it a female for the first time ever? We won fencing. They call it something saber. They call it saber. Yeah. Do they? We 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 finally for the first time ever won a gold medal. I 
even that was was the first time I think we even meddled for Saber. I was watching it, and I was wow. like, oh, that was cool. It's always funny, like they do that thing where they just uh, they go up real close to each other, and then they whoever hits who first and gets that strike, and, and you get a certain amount of points for where you hit them. Either it's on the head, the body, the arm, or whatever. And it lights Honestly, up. I never understood, never understood fencing. Like I watched him, like I have no idea what happened. How did that person just win? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it just happened so fast. It does. It, it goes by really quick, but you know, it's and it's an intense art and an old sport. So I think one of the coolest ones for me is water polo. Uh, I don't know if yeah. I'm not sure if the guys had to say, but I kept watching the highlights on the the female. I and the water's like deep. Uh, how do yeah, the crazy, the the athleticism polo. is incredible, absolutely absolutely yeah. incredible. I, I just think it's it's kind of cool to see them. And then they just whip the ball with their arm while floating above, and then they swim back and forth. I'm like, geez Louise. Yeah, it's basically like, um, have you seen handball in the Olympics? Yes, I did. Which is like, you know, it's like soccer with your hands. It's like water polo on You know, on me, me and my dad were watching the highlights because he came out here um, a couple weeks ago and um, to Colorado, and we were watching it. And my dad was laughing because he's like, this is not an Olympic sport. I was like, but I looked at him. I'm like, yeah, but it's pretty cool though. He's like, yeah, and he was, but he, he had like a look on his face. I was like, but it's kind. Of, I, I said to him, it's kind of like a sport you'd play with a bunch of guys in the backyard having a beer. And he was like, yeah, that's kind of what it is. And I was yeah, like, yeah, that's exactly how it started. He's, he's not wrong, but I mean, the guys were no. talented. They were pretty good at it. It was pretty intense. I think it's I think it's kind of big in, in um in Europe, handball. Yeah, you don't you don't see it too much. Obviously, not in the U.S. They probably have a team, but. Never heard of it. No. And then rugby was big this year. I don't even know who won the rugby. I was watching some of the matches. The U.S. I know the U.S. didn't win because usually other countries are really good at rugby. So Um, what was another one? Uh, I ended up watching archery. That was uh, they had uh, a male, female, like two. So they would take four shots and like basically it was like a point system from one to ten, the ten in the middle, nine on the outside, eight all the way out to the the bigger the target. And so right. they would take like shot after shot, and then your, your score adds up. I thought that was actually really cool and intense. Like it sounds, yeah. I thought it was really fun to watch. And then there was one which I thought was even more unique. It was five people on a team, and each player gets one shot, and whatever the added up points at the end wins and i was like that's intense because you only get one shot it reminds me of like going straight to pks in soccer yeah dude that's crazy yeah <laughs> i was like oh man you don't want to be that guy that like hits an eight or a seven you know and like everyone else is getting nines and tens and yeah, you you mess it up for your team, team. <laughs> and they just like go up with confidence and i don't know i was like i don't think i could do that. that's a lot of pressure hey, the other the other uh really cool thing this year too was the, um track and field oh yeah a couple there were a couple of races that were crazy, like the the women's and the and the men's four hundred meter hurdles. Yes. I don't know if you saw that, but like the men's, the the guy from Norway broke the broke yes. his own world record, and he was going crazy. Yeah, like and he rips his like he rips his shirt off. Yeah. <laughs> and he beat the uh, the American who got silver. That was a sick race. That was, and then the women's too. The two Americans, gold and silver, uh, Sydney, Sydney McLaughlin, I believe was her name, that won the gold. Yeah. Like. Those girls are crazy, y'all. They they each broke the world record, and Sydney broke her own world record too. I was like, yeah, it was nice to see um, even the hundred meter dash. Like I love Usain Bolt, but for years, <laughs> you know, we always kind of knew who was either gonna win or yeah, they always a Jamaican or an American. And yeah, like Italy, Italy came out of nowhere. Italy came out of nowhere and won. I thought that was pretty cool. I think although the guy that won is American, so he's American. Oh yeah, he was from Texas, but he yeah <laughs> he ran for Italy. I think his. His dad or his mom, I forget which is Italian, so yeah. I mean, he, I th- it might have been one of those so you're born there, but it, then you like move. He may have moved and lived in Italy a long time, I, right? That's like Kobe. Kobe was born in Italy, but then you know, he lived in America for most of his life, yeah, exactly. What who was Kobe a fan of? What was his he had an Italian club? Was it Inter or AC? Was it AC Milan? I can't um, remember what his who his team was. I don't remember either, yeah. I know his. He, his dad played professionally basketball in Italy. That's why he's. Mm-hmm. That's why he was born in, from Italy. So he's Italian, yeah. Yeah, and he like he spoke Italian fluently, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. He was probably a fan of, of AC Milan or Inter, one of those big teams, or Juve. Yeah, Juve, yeah. So I'll, this is my son was born in Britain. I'll I'll make him speak British. 
<laughs> so you got to learn how to talk like British, man. I was making fun of him his entire life. I'm like, you're not American. You're the only one who's not. <laughs> but I guess the other topic we can get into and kind of transition is to the NFL. I mean, fantasy football, we got about, what, five and a half, six weeks left before the opening. Um, I'm ready. I am ready. I am ready, too. I'm, I'm ready for football to be back, and I can't wait to start breaking down players and you know where we should take players in the draft uh, here's the past couple of years there's been like turnover of like who's the top wide receivers who's the top running backs qbs i think we're pretty steady this year there's not too too many changes there's players changing teams um and people will have to adjust to that but um top 10 running backs are kind of what we would expect i don't think there's any much like i mean unless unless i'm wrong here i think like the top 10 running backs are pretty much the same as they were last year inside of maybe a few changes but i really don't think it's that much of a difference are, are you on the same wavelength as that or you think there's a drastic change in the nfl this year no i think i mean the only big change i say at least in the running back part is the the rookies from last year that came up that kind of um kind of turned it on towards the end of the season there was um dobbins from the ravens it was Akers that plays for the Rams, although he's out for the year. He tore his Achilles, so that was a huge, huge injury for that team. And then the other guy was Gibson for Washington, which coming into the year, they were like just rookies hoping they would make a name for themselves. And now they're like first round, second round picks probably in fantasy, I'd say. Um, yeah, I mean, those are the, but all the guys that were there last year. Yeah, so you got like Kam- still here, you know. Kamara, Cook, McCaffrey, right. Saquon's coming back. I mean, we kind of know the big names. Yeah. Uh, Derek right. Henry. Those guys are still, still up there. But then, you know, those, like those rookies that came out last year are now like, they, they established themselves, I guess. So, uh, what do you think about Ezekiel Elliott coming into the season? Dude, I have. Yeah, by far the worst season, but now he got paid. Yeah. I don't know. Like, Does he settle I'm, down? I'm down. I'm kind of down on Zeke, honestly. I am too. And, and still people are probably ranking him within the top 10, but I don't know. For me, if you're listening to this podcast, I honestly, be fearful. I would not go near him. He's. I'm in a, um, me and Caleb are both in a five-year keeper league, and I don't have him personally. Uh, that was my, wasn't my, uh, my father has him. Um, I would not trade for him, and I would stay away. And if I was in a draft where I was forming a new team, I don't think I'd pick him. I like options even like Gibson, like you were talking about, um, Edwards yeah. Hilaire, even you know, even Austin Eckler coming back off of was he was he injured last year, hamstring yeah. injury. So right. Nick Chubb. I mean, there's just a lot of players. I don't know, man. He after he got paid, and I even I like. I, I feel like he lost us that last year. Yeah, I, I don't know. He and played played very different than what he normally did. And the, the thing with running backs, and this is, you can look back historically, this is what happens with running backs. Once they hit once they hit that wall, they just fall off the cliff. It's not like a easy, you know, like they kind of go away slowly. No, they just kind of fall straight off the cliff. Like, remember um, Todd Gurley? He was a beast. Like, a beast, yep. pick two, three years in a row. Then he became a backup. And then he's gone. Now he he's like backup. Out of he's not even signed right no, now. No, not now. But, I mean, he quickly became a backup, and then now, now he's... No, he's and not. that happens, for, for, especially for running backs. It happens really quick. All the time. And there's a, there's a short shelf life for running backs. Was, so. And it makes you wonder, was Zico is just a product of his line? You know, because the, the, the offensive line got weaker in Dallas. So was he ever yeah. really, you know, a lot of running backs I mean, benefit, I think, from, from their offensive line that are, aren't as talented sometimes. I mean, I mean, the Patriots had countless amounts of running backs that weren't – they weren't uh, – perennial all-stars but they've seemed to do just fine but <laughs> you know yeah. they got their yards and they they yeah, played that's well why you see like running backs they're they don't get paid like wide receivers like even like offensive linemen or, or uh definitely not like quarterbacks but yeah the running backs are like i don't know they just don't get they don't get paid because teams know that they can be replaced unfortunately yeah how do you feel about jonathan taylor coming into the season the Colts running yeah, back. I was, honestly, when I was thinking of the rookies last year, I forgot to mention him, and he just came to my mind too. I think he's he's a beast, dude. I think he's going to be really, really good. Yeah, and not only that, he's going to be playing. I think the Colts roster is really, really good this year. I mean, other than their quarterback yeah, well, situation they, right now, yeah, um, pretty yeah, much. That's the, that's the big question. That's the big question. But if you, <sighs> I'm 
the herd. The herd's always trying to start stuff. He wants to bring in. Um, he was talking about how they should pick up Nick Foles, which I think would be hilarious if they did that, be- just because Carson Wentz is the um, the player that's yeah, the starting yeah, role, but he's yeah. he's injured. But yeah, it would be. I mean, they did. They, it would be a good quarterback room. I mean, they go here, and then obviously the the, uh, the coach there knows him well. As um, it would, everything would work well. But even even more so if they became a running back dependent team for a little bit and had a, a, a quarterback backup quarterback where they're just trying to, you know, maybe they don't bring in Nick Foles and they go more running and just use a, a quarterback that's on the roster and go with that, and maybe he gets more options and. Yeah, I think if they strictly do that, strictly fantasy could be a good thing. Yeah, actually, I think the opposite. Like, okay. if they go that route, I think teams will just play to stop Jonathan Taylor because they okay. know he's going to get the ball. And, you know, like, if your quarterback is not good, I feel like that just diminishes all your fantasy options on that offense. Like, everybody goes down. So That's fair. Wentz and, That's even a fair Wentz, point. I don't know. To me, he was kind of average, but I think he was still competent enough to, you know, they would have a good offense at least. But with him out, I don't know what they're going to do. I heard Phillip Rivers maybe want to come back. Out of retirement. Oh yeah, I did hear that too. There's I heard they're looking at possibly signing um, Marcus Mariota, who's to play for the Titans. He's now a backup at like Oakland or something. I don't know. There's, I think they're scrambling to get somebody, honestly. Cause yeah. They need, I, some, they're gonna need some help. But yeah, I mean, there's uh, one of the big uh, wide receiver moves in the league went to you guys, um, the Tennessee Titans, your your team that you support. Um, how do you feel about having all these great wide receivers on one squad? Um, Fantasy-wise, not really your team. How do you think that's all going to play out? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think her fantasy is good. I think he's going to, I think Julio Jones, that's what we're talking about, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> of course. Be a, Sorry, I didn't even mention his be, name. Well, yeah, Julio he's Jones. He's going to be a beast. He um, obviously he just needs to stay healthy, but I think the Titans offense is going to be crazy good. And the good thing is, um, they don't have to rely on Derrick Henry as much. I think they just kind of they give him the ball so much that I think they're gonna try to ease back a little bit. Yeah. Like I said, he's getting kind of he's kind of getting up there in age, at least for running back wise. And those those players, like I said, just fall off the map once they hit that wall. So to kind of take the load off him a little bit and spread it around to AJ Brown, the other wide receiver, and and Julio is a, is a big plus. And honestly, I think Tannehill is a, is a great quarterback for for that team he's not like a superstar but he gets the job done yeah so yeah i think their offense is probably projected to be like a top five top ten at least um since they got julio yeah i mean it's 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 gonna be tough to stop it it's gonna be one of the great offenses this year in the nfl and Tannehill, past couple years has proved himself that he can handle it and now you're adding you're adding more to it i mean that's that's pretty good i mean you gotta you gotta pick your poison on the defense like who are you gonna cover Mm -hmm. double A.J. Brown, you're going to double um, Julio Jones, and it, you're worried about those guys, then they're handing off the ball to Henry. So it's like, yeah, I think that offense is going to be pretty scary. Yeah, because A.J. Brown's a top 10 wide receiver in the league, and now you're adding Julio Jones is a legend and deserves much respect, and he's a top 20 still wide receiver in the league. So it's 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 a nightmare. And then, you know, I, I think going forward for the Titans, it's going to be it's going to be fun to watch for sure. And see how it plays out. They've they've kind of cultivated a winning mentality a little bit um, in the recent years. So we'll see what they do with it. I, how do you view their defense? I know, like we talked in the past, sometimes you, I mean you weren't the biggest fan. Is is there been any improvements um, going into the season here? Is there any major signings that you feel confident in that help turn that around, or are you kind of in the same spot with them? Oh, um, definitely optimistic. That's how that's how we all are in the offseason. Right? But. Um, <laughs> They're, I don't know. Their defense just, just was so trash last year. It was yeah, not as good as you. Just wanted. thinking about it, but <laughs> yeah, I think I don't know. They they kind of addressed it a little bit in the draft. They um, their first pick was a uh, a corner, which is like their their defensive backs were so bad. Um, Malcolm Brown is gone, and he was just awful last year. Um, so yeah, they needed that help. They they picked up a corner. I think his I forget where he came from. I think his name is Caleb Farley. I forget what college he came from, but. He's supposed to be a top corner. Hopefully, we'll share up that defensive backfield. And then, yeah, well, I don't know. I'm not really sure what other signings they made. I didn't, I haven't heard of anything crazy. But, yeah, if, if that team is going to make any kind of splash and, you know, make a deep run, they're gonna, that defense is going to have to show themselves and, you know, do something. Just be, just be an average defense, and I think they can make some noise. 
Yeah. I, I For me, the Patriots, I, I feel really good about the defense going into this year. I think they got a lot of good competition in minicamp and training camp, and I, I'm really, really excited for the Patriots' defense, even more so than the offense. I, I'm, I'm obviously liking the quarterback competition with Cam Newton and Mac Jones, and uh, but defensively, I'm super, super excited to watch the Patriots this year. I think uh, I think that we're going to be a contender in the division. I don't think it will be like last year. I think we're going to pose more of a threat to the Buffalo Bills, who are the division champs of last year. Um, uh, I do have one question for you, uh, Trevor Lawrence. Do you think in a year from now, when we're talking, are we going to be talking about Trevor Lawrence and he had a rookie season like no other and he really said, what's up? I'm in the NFL, or is he going to have a season of welcome to the NFL, my friend? It's it's a lot different than college. What what do you think he's going to lean towards? Which which way? I I'm leaning towards him having a good year, like a not like a crazy crazy year, but like a pretty good kind of like Justin Herbert last year, who had a crazy um, rookie year for mm. uh, the Chargers. But yeah, I don't know. He I guess from what I've been hearing, I honestly did not watch too much of Trevor Lawrence in college, but everyone's been saying that he's like that next guy. That's like the next uh Andrew Luck or I don't know, Peyton Manning, like that type of player. Yeah. He's, that he's, Jacksonville got. So the, I think the expectations are him for him to really to be really good, especially yeah. because last year we had um Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert and just recently, just in like recent history, the rookies have been really good. Yeah. So, I, I know the bar has been set pretty high for him. So I'm, I mean, I'm expecting him to be good. If if he's not, then that's going to be a huge letdown. So you're gonna you're, you're leaning a little bit towards he's gonna have a good season. Not yeah. Not Peyton Manning rookie year, but definitely gonna be a solid QB. Not gonna lean towards welcome to the NFL. You're not as good as you thought you were. I'm I'm with yeah. you. I think he's definitely like one of those players that's been touted since what he was like 15 years old I, I i honestly that's how long i've been watching highlights of him that long hair i think i've watched youtube <laughs> clips and instagram yeah. clips since he was 15 like he's been paraded around to us for so long now he's finally in the nfl this year and he it really is he has all the intangibles and we'll see if it translates which i definitely think it will he's a good pocket he's got everything man he's got the arm the accuracy the pocket presence the mobility in the pocket he can roll out he can stay make the throws he's he's just a great qb in general but we'll see if it trans you know some guys every once in a while it doesn't pan out but he seems legit he seems like he's one of those players that's gonna you know right. step so up and, he, and fill that role be, uh, will he be jamarcus russell or andrew luck <laughs> No one was <laughs> as bad as of a letdown as Jamarcus Russell. Maybe Vince Young. Vince Young. Is that a good one? Oh, Vincent had a couple good years. Oh, stop it, Caleb. No. Vincent, Vincent made the playoffs at least. Is he, you're saying this because he was a Titan. <laughs> yeah, but he had, like, he wasn't. Jamarcus, like, you can't compare him to Jamarcus Russell. He was Yo, complete. Do you remember? Total trash. <laughs> do you remember Jamarcus Russell during the, uh, was it during the combine? He went on his knees and threw it like 80 yards from his knees or oh whatever. And they were going crazy on it on SportsCenter ESPN. It's like, this kid's going to be unbelievable. Yeah. Just, what a flop. Well, what I mean. Flop. Yeah, definitely. Definitely not Vince Young. Vince Young was okay. He definitely flopped, but not to that degree. The thing, the thing is, that's so great in the NFL now. Is there's just so many good quarterbacks in the league. I mean, they're everywhere from Russell it's Wilson crazy, to Patrick yeah. Mahomes to the young guys. You guys you still got Tom Brady in the league. You got Trevor Lawrence coming in. You got uh, Joe Burrow. You got Dak Prescott coming back from injury, which I still think he's a great football player. And who else? Who else do we got? You said Justin Herbert, yeah, Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen. Josh Allen. Oh, it's just the NFL is in such good hands. I think I was nervous. Yeah, I was very, very nervous when Peyton and Brady were getting older and Drew Brees. But now, I am, I am blown away by the talent that's coming in the league. I mean, obviously, it's not the nostalgia that we all grew up with, but for me, I think yeah. it's in great hands. I'm with you. I think it's in great hands, and I'm very excited for the future. And it's not just one or two. I don't know what they did with the like the. What it is is a lot of. I do know some of it. A lot of the old players are giving back into the game, and they're like setting up all these camps and all these um, places for these QBs to like really train and at a young age. And it's reminding me of how early soccer players get into it, like five or six years old. They're not that young, but they get into these programs and they start to get ready for like NFL ready at 15, 16 years old. Now it's way different than it used to be. And it's really, really paying off. We're, we're, 
we are right now with all these new young QBs coming into the league, we're seeing it with Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, and a lot of the young Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. And even there's probably still more that we haven't seen yet. Like we still haven't seen Jalen Hurts play really that much. Um, the kid from Green Bay, Love, Aaron Rodgers backup, who they drafted, who knows? I mean, he could, you know, be a bust, but, you know, down the line we could see him play and be like, wow. But I just it just feels like that all that stuff is, is paying off and, and the players that have come before them are, are giving back or the programs are getting better because we're really seeing a high level of talent across the NFL, which is pretty awesome to see. Plus, the game is made for QBs now, so... That. Yeah, that's that's the other huge thing. Like we didn't, when we were growing up, we didn't see rookies like starting no really well. Like the only rookie I remember being good was Roethlisberger, like on his first year. Yeah, they all had but to wait. They had to wait. It was like normal. You got drafted, but you're gonna you're gonna sit a year or so and then you play. Yeah, what was it Rod- like, Rodgers had to wait for Brett Favre? These guys get thrown right into the fire, and I mean the league has changed. The rules have changed. That it's, mm-hmm. they protect the QBs like nothing. And yeah. All right, I, I think that's it. I think we're going to wrap up this episode. I, I appreciate you coming on, Caleb. I think that was that was good. Uh, we're definitely going to be going 100% full speed into fantasy football now. We'll probably get more episodes out, um, either by myself or with a guest on the show. Thank you guys for listening to the show. Thanks, Caleb, for coming on. Yeah, definitely. A lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. And I, we'll try to get – you know what? We're going to call out Charlie. I'm going to call him out right on the podcast. I'm, re- I'm going to clip this, and we're going to send it to him in the group chat so he can come on here and – give us a, a take or two you know he loves fantasy football as well he needs to get on this thing and maybe we can get maybe you know the, the dream is to get you know chris you nick and charlie on at the same time that would be insane but we could totally do it it'd be a fun time and we have to have the the debate we've been wanting to have for a long time and i'm not going to give that debate away but we will talk about it and that's that's what to come but I appreciate. We grew, up calling, we grew up calling Charlie the Schwab. Remember that show on ESPN? Yeah, yeah. The guy who knew every single stat. That's, that's Charlie. Yeah, if you want to know a useless baseball stat from 1987, <laughs> that's Charlie's field. All right, he literally can watch a, he can watch a baseball player swing and be like, that guy's going to be a star. And I'm like, okay. And then yeah, lo and behold, he wanna, usually is. I just want to come on and hear you guys, you and him, argue about the Patriots. Um, yeah, that would be actually interesting. We bat we. Yeah. <laughs> It would have been much more interesting a few years ago, but um, yeah, we could probably still have some pretty big disagreements. Let's see how the year kicks off and see how things go. We probably will, for sure. All right, thanks for listening to the show, guys. You can find me on uh, Spotify, Apple, Project Sports Facebook page, or the Instagram Project Sports Pod. Thanks. Take care. <laughs>